The kidneys are a paired organ structure located in the retroperitoneal cavity and form the basis of the urinary system. Combined with the ureter, urinary bladder, and the urethra, the urinary system plays a critical role in regulating the body's fluid volume, blood ion balance such as sodium, potassium, and calcium, maintaining blood pH, while eliminating metabolic waste from the body. The internal anatomy of the kidney can be divided into two sections, the outermost layer, called the renal cortex, and the innermost layer, called the renal medulla. The medulla contains renal columns, which can be found in between the renal pyramids, and it is on the surface of the renal pyramid that the nephron can be found. The nephron is a microscopic filtration unit of the kidney that functions similarly to a pool filter. In the same way that you have a pool filter to help clean and remove unwanted materials in the water, the nephron filters and removes any unwanted materials within our blood. The human kidney contains two types of nephrons, the cortical nephron and the juxtamedullary nephron, with approximately 85% of all nephrons being cortical nephrons, with the remaining 15% being juxtamedullary nephrons. The primary difference between these two nephrons are that the juxtamedullary nephrons contain a much longer loop of Henle, making it much more effective for water reabsorption and the concentration of urine. So let's zoom in and take a closer look at the nephron itself. So the nephron is divided into two main parts, the renal corpsule and the renal tubule. Most of the nephron is found within the renal cortex. However, the loop of Henle and a part of that collecting duct can be found in the renal medulla. So, how does the nephron filter the blood? Despite the kidneys weighing less than 1% of your overall body weight, they can receive up to 25% of total cardiac output. So, as the blood enters the kidney via the renal artery, the renal artery will then divide and branch out into smaller and smaller arteries eventually reaching the afferent arterioles. The afferent arteriole plays a very important role in controlling the flow of blood to the glomerulus, a bundle of capillaries that is surrounded by the Bowman's capsule. Both the glomerulus and the Bowman's capsule form what is called the renal corpsule and forms the first part of our nephron. When we talk about the nephron, we can break its overall function down into three main categories. Filtration, in which the contents of the blood is filtered based on its size. Reabsorption, in which the nephron will reabsorb necessary substances from that filtrate back into the bloodstream. And secretion, this is where the waste products are actively transported out of the blood and into the filtrate to be excreted from the body. So let us start now with filtration. As the blood enters the afferent arteriole from the cortical radiate artery, the blood is pushed through the glomerulus, which will help to separate and filter the contents of our blood based upon its size. Smaller molecules such as water, ions, sugar, amino acids, these will all move through the glomerulus, with larger substances such as red blood cells, proteins, being unable to move through the glomerulus because they're too big. So therefore, they will move out of the glomerulus via the efferent arteriole. With the glomerulus separating the contents of the blood based upon its size, let us now focus on reabsorption. With the kidneys filtering over 180 litres of fluid per day, it is crucial that most of that fluid and its contents are reabsorbed back into the body. 
Anything that has moved through the glomerulus is now called filtrate and will move into the first part of the nephron tubule called the proximal convoluted tubule. This is where approximately 60% of all reabsorption occurs, with the proximal convoluted tubule rapidly reabsorbing sodium, water, and virtually all nutrients that pass through the glomerulus, such as glucose, amino acids, vitamins, etc., with these substances being reabsorbed into the peritubular capillaries and is then sent back into systemic circulation. Once the filtrate leaves the proximal convoluted tubule, it will enter the loop of Henle, also known as the nephron loop. The loop of Henle is divided into two main sections, the descending limb and the ascending limb. As the filtrate moves down the descending limb of the loop of Henle, water is reabsorbed due to two main factors. One, the presence of aquaporins, a specialized protein that transports water through a membrane. These aquaporin proteins are permanently inserted into the descending limb. Secondly, the osmolarity of the interstitial fluid surrounding the loop of Henle will increase the more medial the loop goes. This increased osmotic gradient allows more water to be pulled out of the nephron through the aquaporin channel proteins, where this water can then be reabsorbed back into the bloodstream. The filtrate will then move up the ascending limb of the loop of Henle. Due to the fact that there are no aquaporin proteins in the ascending limb, only salts are reabsorbed. This is particularly important for two main reasons. One, the osmolarity of the filtrate will be reduced due to the removal of salts without removing any water. Secondly, the salt that is absorbed from the filtrate moves into the interstitial space surrounding the loop of Henle. The removal of salt, combined with the fact that the ascending and descending limb of the loop of Henle are so close together, will result in a cyclic loop in which the increased salt absorption from the ascending limb will increase the osmolarity of that interstitial fluid, which in turn creates an osmotic gradient, allowing the absorption of water from the descending limb. This process is called the countercurrent multiplication system and plays a significant role in water reabsorption and the concentration of urine. Passing through the ascending limb of the loop of Henle, the filtrate will then enter the distal convoluted tubule. At this stage of the reabsorption process, approximately 80% of the water that passed through the nephron so far has already been reabsorbed with the distal convoluted tubule and the collecting ducts reabsorbing an additional 15% of water with the rest of the filtrate leaving the nephron as urine. Aldosterone, a hormone that is released via the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, acts on the distal convoluted tubule in addition to antidiuretic hormone to increase sodium and water reabsorption in order to increase blood volume and blood pressure. This leads us finally to the collecting ducts. The collecting ducts are the final part of the nephron and are the last chance for additional water and salt reabsorption, which is influenced by both aldosterone and antidiuretic hormone, whilst also playing a significant role in buffering our body's pH levels. Now, once the filtrate has left the collecting duct, it is now considered urine 
and will drain from the collecting duct into the minor calyx. Each of the renal pyramids connects to a minor calyx. I want you to think of this as a funnel that will collect the freshly formed urine from those collecting ducts. The minor calyx will then merge with other minor calyxes to form a major calyx, which will ultimately form the renal pelvis. It is from the renal pelvis that urine then flows out of the kidney via the ureter and into the bladder.